this is Kimberly. Please enjoy our podcast, but remember our doctors are only here to educate, not diagnose. If you have any questions or need any further information, please email me. My email address is kim at mfwellness.org. Spine Whispers, welcome. This is Dr. Matthew Fink with Dr. Brad Maurer and Dr. Joshua Fink and Kim as well. Listen in. Okay, back again. Uh, Kim, what do, you, what, do you, uh, what do you have for us this week? Hello, you know, Kim? Idea, Kim? Uh, Hello? Your, what we're talking about? You your idea? I'm sorry. Yeah, you I was put, put on, on the spot. spot. I thought we were going to do a Did case you study think that I wasn't going to talk to you? Gradually... This is Dr. Matt, Dr. Brad, <laughs> yeah. Dr. Josh. I mean, is you, your name is Kim. Oh, okay. So, yeah. okay, we'll start with this. I don't have a case this. study. I he forgot. Do you have a case study? study? That's wonderful. Okay, Brad, go ahead. <laughs> Dr. Maurer, sorry. All right. I did. Perfect. I like it. Yeah, it's the best intro we've ever done. I love it. I, I feel like, yeah. It was so good, Kim she only the looked best at her, or the worst. I'm Kim sure. only looked at her phone one time during the whole introduction. <laughs> Dr. Matt, though, won't get off his yeah, phone. Yeah, Because hockey's back. So hockey's back, Dr. Matt. Oh, he's, <clears> he's checking the score. I'm just... He I'm, is. <laughs> five, 5.30 tonight. Meow. <laughs> Dr. Matt is in heaven. So, I was looking up articles, research articles, and I found one that I like because I feel like it kind of leads into what we're, I know we're going to talk about today. Uh-huh. And even though Kim doesn't know what we're going to talk about today. I yeah, know. even though it was her, oh, I know. it was totally her idea. I know. So, and there's a little bit of connection with chiropractic as well. Ooh, but the, even better. So the title of the article I found is Effects of Exercise on Body Posture, Functional Movement, and Physical Fitness Heck in, yeah. in Children with over, uh, Who Are Considered Overweight. Uh, Dude, I love it. I so, absolutely love it already. And it's the Journal of Strength and Conditioning <clears throat> oh, Research. those guys over so, there. And, of course, you know, the whole physical fitness side of it, of course. Know, there's a lot of research. We know that. But right. the body right. posture and functional movement mm. improvements they're looking for. Wonderful, Kim. That's a, that's a huge deal. Better. So, Oof. what I'm they... Uh, I can tell. And it's based on a few factors. The first thing they, they mentioned <clears throat> is that, hey, body posture... Fundamental movements and physical fitness are all factors of great relevance when it comes to childhood health and things that we should think about. In addition to that, children with uh, obesity or considered overweight, we'll talk a little bit about this later on, Yeah, yeah. are 1.5 times more likely to present an incorrect body posture nice. than their healthy weight peers, considering a non-optimal alignment of body segments leading right. to mechanical stress. I mean, right. this is stuff it's we just, talk about all the time. It's just physics. It's not some crazy, you know, it's not witchcraft. It's yeah. just physics. I That's love it. That's right. And uh, not only that mechanical stress, but muscle overaction. Absolutely. The head and shoulder are in a protracted position. Yeah. Uh, we tend to see thoracic kyphosis, mm. lumbar hyperlordosis, mm. lower limb valgus position, and flat feet in these mm. children who are Valgus position, overweight. Kim. He's mm. saying the words that I like to hear. He's saying the yeah. words that I don't know. Mm. Work it up. Mm. You know? All right. So podcast. here, just a, I mean, this is a beefy study. Yeah. This is beefy. So. Journal of Strength and Conditioning, though, you'd think that, like, that's where the dudes all, they're all, like, they have protein at their desks, they have protein at lunch, they have protein at, you know, they serve protein at, like, it's just a bunch of meat. That's what you think. You know? Well, like, yeah, if you dive into this, like they, they're, they're benching, you know, before every, but their articles. And they may be, but, yeah, they're right. sweet. They articles. can write, they, the research I mean, they do at that magazine. I know oh those gosh. listening can't see, but I'm showing the doctors some of this action here. God, it's so good. I, I want to just I leave. just passed out. I want to just leave right that. now. Look at that. He's got so, graphs. 
pictures, graphs. I love those guys, man. Out. Out. They always do such a... Seems to me, though, of the articles I've read of theirs have been just squeaky clean. Yeah, they're great. So, just Sorry. a real quick overview. Dude. We had 64 children between the ages of 8 and 12. We had a control group, of course. Mm -hmm. The experimental group. Mm -hmm. What they had to do was perform 90 minutes of exercise at least three days a week. And that 30 minutes of that was movement quality. So they had people with them just working on their movement. And then the other 60 minutes were, was considered multi-games. So they were jumping, skipping, hopping, oh, cool. learning those activities. Cool. So 90 minutes, at least three days a week for 13 weeks. And what they found is that that experimental group, at the end, they had an increase in their deep squat, which we've talked a ton about how important a squat is. They've had increase in a classic human position. Active straight leg raise. Oh. One rep max of an arm press. Hand grip strength, which we were talking about the Man, dynamometer and that's how. Where it's I at. mean, there's so much information we can get from that. Incredible metric. An yeah. incredible metric. And then also standing long jump. And then when it came Dude, to nice. Yeah. And when it came to the, the postural stuff, um, they had better alignment of their head and lower limb. That's it. Improved performance and functional movements or fundamental movements. And uh, just their global strength. Yeah. I mean, that's something we would like expect. It's just like, it's just like, look, your kid having his head nine feet in front of his body, it doesn't just look bad. It is unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And it's unhealthy by very specific metrics. I love it, Dr. Maurer. And knowing that what we do is obviously going to help. Holy cow. But also getting them involved. And some people, maybe not as much the children, but... Older adults, they haven't been exercising yeah. because they can't. Or they, right. It's too painful, whatever. And that's really what kids follow is like, if your parents are exercising, that's it. guess what you're going to do? You're going to exercise because you want to be like your mom and dad. Yeah. Gain those or, habits. Or like your parents or like your caregivers. Like, you want to be like them. So they're going to follow your lead. So you have to right. have enough energy right. after work to be able to do that. Yeah. You want kids who exercise? You have to exercise, you know? I love it. So I, I thought it was a great article, and awesome it kind of leads in leads into what we're gonna discuss today a little yeah. bit. Ooh, delicious. Okay, Kim, tell the people about your idea. Okay, so I thought it would be good to just kind of talk about six things everyone should know, just in general, about their health, about their body, for everyday life, and mm -hmm. why they need to know that stuff, and how to find out what it is. The six metrics. And really, and really, this is Kim's idea. And she's like, doctors, what do you think are the best six things that people mm -hmm. need to know about? And so she tasked us with really... Then we argued looking. about it. Yeah. And, and then, then Dr. Josh decided the six most important things are... <laughs> That's not true. Ben, so what we're going to do is we're going to cover three this podcast and three next podcast. Yeah. And um, we're going to go a little in-depth, but not so much that we get all... When I start sweating, we'll, we'll stop. You know what I mean? That way that people could, because we want you, the audience, to be able to understand what these metrics are, and how to get what them. the numbers mean, how to get them, mm -hmm. how to reliably get them, and then, like, what does it mean? How does it affect me in my day-to-day -day life? So you can use these as guideposts for navigating towards or away from general state of health, but you need to understand them. Sometimes they're, they're um, poorly described in the literature. All right, real good. Okay, so, uh, Dr. Meyer, you wanted to go first? Sure, that'd be Go fine. for it, bro. So... The one thing that I think a lot of people have questions about and you hear a lot about is BMI, mm -hmm. body mass index. Oh, okay. I knew that. What do you think it was, Dr. Matt? No, I thought it was, I was just wondering. Oh, okay. So 
what I want to discuss is why it's used, why you hear it so much, and I also want to I want to talk about how it, it could be a good metric, but I also want to talk about how alone, all by itself, it's not really the best metric. <laughs> right. Much. You really need other right. You need other factors involved here. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. He's going so, to diss it, Kim. A little bit, but I'm going to we we'll call that dissing. So a calculation is involved. So if you want to figure out your BMI, you can just go onto Google and and search a BMI calculator and just put in your info. But mm-hmm. if you're someone who loves math Man. and you want to do a little bit of math where it's been a while, what you need is your weight in pounds and you need your height in inches. Oh, so, so a full-on imperial system. Yeah, you can do metric, you know, um, SI, um, but uh, I went ahead and did uh, imperial. I love it. I figured most people would be down with that. So you take that weight in pounds and divide it by your height in inches squared. That means, wow. you know, if you're, let's say you're 70 inches, you take 70 times 70 to get the square. So, got right. that Kim? You're, That's wild, I see Kim's man. figuring hers out right now. So, weight in pounds divided by your height in inches squared, you take that number and multiply it by 703. And that's going to give you your BI number. There's no, your BMI doesn't have units involved with it. Right. It's more like a, kind of like a ratio. Right. What's so, a 703? Do you know? That's just some, some number. So universal, universal coefficient. So it's Magellan's number. Yeah. Okay. So, so mathematician, coefficient. Dr. BMI <laughs> came up with that. And... <laughs> Magellan's <laughs> number. You know? The guy puts the B in BMI. You know? yeah. I, I think I know. Okay. All right. So... You come up with a number, and they have a of a chart that you can go by. So if that number you came up with is below eighteen point five, you're considered to be underweight. Hmm. If your number is between eighteen point five and twenty four point nine, that's considered in the normal range. Okay. If you're at twenty five point zero up to twenty nine point nine, you're in the overweight range. And if that number is thirty or above, it's considered obese. Hmm. Oh, and I, by the way, I'm going to say this. This is the adult chart. So right. children have a different different chart. So if you want to figure out a child, make sure you find a different chart. Right. So a lot of doctors, not a lot, some doctors use that. Some dietitians use the BMI as a general predictor. But like I said, I, I get worried if that's the only predictor used. And a big part of that is the fact that muscle weighs more there you go. than fat tissue. There you go, man. So there's two different sides of it. So if you have an elderly patient, a lot of elderly patients, especially if they haven't, if they haven't been working out, they haven't been doing bodyweight exercises, they're losing muscle mass as the years go by. Right. Sarcopenia. Sarcopenia. That is correct. So, so there's a greater elderly. chance that they may be healthy. They may, you know, by all other right. metrics, they're healthy, but their BMI might come up low because they've lost some muscle mass. Um, and then on the other side of that, a lot of athletes yeah. who are spending a lot of time in the gym, yeah. a lot of time working out, they have quite a bit of muscle mass, and they can actually come up on this chart yep. as overweight, most likely in the overweight range. I doubt, yeah, yeah, some swimming, might even come up in the Swimming and gymnasts in yeah. particular um, tend to be because they're not maybe not as tall in stature, but they could tear the door off a car. You know, yeah. and so like, oh, tons of muscle. It really messes with the BMI and their heights. Yeah. You know, heights lower too. So, and, and as a personal, this is me. Like right now, I figured out mine what it is right now. I'm at twenty three point five. Nice. So I fall into that normal category. Good job. I'm six foot three. I'm 
about 188 right now. Oh. But when I was in college... You're running a little lean, bro. I am a little bit right now. Yeah. When I was in college and I was spending a lot of time... You thicken you up. ...in the gym, working out for five days a week, my BMI, I was about 15, over 15 pounds heavier than I am now. And I felt great, great shape. Night, man. Healthy. 15 pounds was not, of the good stuff. Not at all overweight, but... My BMI at that point was 25.6, which wow. would have fallen into that overweight category. Yeah. So it's just an example just, of... There's no way, right? If if you're in the gym a lot, you have a lot of muscle mass, it could be misleading. So if I'm just looking on paper and I see... That's interesting. See your BMI, I may be thinking, oh, this person's terribly right? unhealthy. If we just so that's it. why we need to look at things like body fat percentage. We get, you know, get that tape measure out and measure waist and hip. It's important to get a lot of other metrics besides the BMI. It could be a quick reference. If you're visually looking at the person, you want to get their BMI, you can mm-hmm. use that as, as a motivator as well. Um, something that's objective that they can bring that number down if needed or bring it up if they need. But I just want to caution people because it shouldn't be the only factor or the only metric used when it comes to being overweight. Yeah, overweight. that's the thing. Like as much as we want to go through the numbers, it's just a number. Yeah. You know, you get somebody's labs... You still have to go look and see if the person's alive or dead. Mm-hmm. You, you have a lab, it doesn't mean anything, you know. So that's a really great example that just this ironclad, that's what, I remember when BMI first got introduced, everyone's like, oh, what's your BMI, BMI, everybody was talking about it. It's fallible yeah. in that it's built into its formula that it can't, it can't account for everybody. And in some cases, it's flat out wrong. Right. Yeah. It's just one part of everything else you need that's to That's really it. Yeah. That's really it. All right, real good. Thanks, dude. All right, Dr. Matt. You're going to hear the next one? Yeah, so we're going to talk about blood pressure. Thanks, bro. Now, there's a a bunch of things to consider when we're talking about someone's blood pressure. But overall, we're looking at the first and second number, the systolic and diastolic numbers, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The systolic measures arterial pushback. What does that mean? It means as your your heart pumps, (laughs) it measures the pressure that it's exerting on the arteries as you're trying to get the blood throughout your system right and so the second number the diastolic is that blood coming back okay in the middle of our chest maybe a little bit um to the left there is a factory that exchanges blood right heart lungs right in the middle so the the blood pressure is a good gauge on where and how well your factory is working and maintaining its bubble, right? Hmm. If you add fluids, if you add chemicals to your factory, to your bubble, it messes with it. So it could increase or decrease your blood pressure. Now, the number that's in the, the first number, the systolic number, in 2017, they rehashed what actually constitutes as high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so they like, okay, well, let's look at this. Because they were talking like um, one, yeah. 130, 130 over 80, 120 over 80. 120 over 80 is normal. 130 over 80 is considered high blood pressure. And it is considered that way because it's more of a precursor to more stuff to come. So we want it around 120 over 80. Now, you can't just look at someone's blood pressure 
and be like, okay, well, that's high. That's you immediately take them wherever they're going to go to the hospital, get checked out because some people's blood pressures falls a little bit higher than others. There are people that haven't, haven't changed their blood pressure in years. Um, not to divulge too much, but there's somebody in, in that I'm related to whose blood pressure doesn't change at all. It's been like 110 over 65 for like 40 years, 50 years. Um, doesn't change. Crazy. Right. So that person stays active. I mean, it, pl- it would change right. if they got scared. Sure. Or something. Sure. The normal, yeah. So but let's talk you're about. You're talking about like resting. Resting. Like, so let's talk about the measurement of blood pressure and why it's important. If you're jacked up on caffeine, nicotine, <laughs> uh, monster drinks, <laughs> um, early in the morning, late at night, um, those will mess with your blood pressure numbers, your blood pressure reading numbers. You should be doing it um, not immediately when you wake up, but probably 45 minutes to an hour after you've been up moving around already. All right? You want your arm at heart level. You want your spinogometer. You what? Isn't the spinogometer? Isn't the, oh, blood the pressure? Sphinx? It yeah. depends Sphinx. on how you say it. Yeah. That or it's the blood, blood, blood pressure cuff. The yeah. reader guy? No. Yeah. You no, want no, a blood grab, pressure. You want grabby. a pumper upper. Oh, the, oh. Yeah. You want a sphygmo. You want a blood pumper. Yeah. Depending on. It you, depends you on want, who taught you yeah. how it's pronounced. You want it on bare skin. You want it on bare skin. Yeah. And you want to do it twice daily. If you want an accurate reading. So once in the morning and once in the afternoon. And you really have to limit what you intake um, and what you're doing because that will mess with your blood pressure. The reason why this is important is it tells us how well your cardiovascular system is functioning. The reason why it's measured, uh, it's measured in millimeters of mercury. Um, and I kind of did a little bit of research on that and they just said, hey, they use mercury because it's the most accurate thing when pressure is involved. Mm-hmm. And when back in the day when they were used something to gauge pressure, they used mercury to like how much pressure is this going up. It was really sensitive to so the probably change. probably the same as thermometer. Yeah. It's responsible for the temperature. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so that that's blood that's blood pressure. I mean they call but, it like hypertension, but then there's like Pre-hypertension. And pre-hypertension didn't exist until 2017. They were like, hey, if so this keeps you going, know? you're going to have hypertension. So we're going to say you have pre-hypertension. So 120 over 80 changed to 130 over 80 or 120 over 90. Hmm. The systolic and diastolic changes, as you look at them, they look at them as a trend. That's it, why it's important to gauge Yeah, in, but tw- like, in 2016, they said 140 over 90, absolutely high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. But 2017, like okay, well, maybe we should maybe we should talk about you know 130 over 80 is that first is a systolic number that we're concerned about because that's the arterial pushback. That's the that's the measurement of how much blood is being and pushed that, and out that's the and, number, how, and how hard you're throwing. That's it. the number that's going to change more with exercise or with you drinking a whole bunch of caffeine. That top number, that systolic number, is the one that's going to change a lot. The diastolic really. Shouldn't change that Should change a ton comparatively. It's just, it's just how hard your body yeah. is pushing back against you. You want that number low, right? You've got cl- clogged arteries. You've got target blood. You've got all kinds of stuff. That number tends to go up, and you don't want that. You know, you want your average, you know, amount of pressure you need to run your system. You want that as low as you can. If I scared you, your systolic would go up. 
mm. how your how your diet style over time is what we're super interested in. Okay. Yeah, so that's why that's why in general blood pressure is kind of it's good to have a grip on what it means, right? And 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 to understand it. So right? should somebody? But if you're gonna take it, like take it regularly, like Doctor Matt's yeah. saying, yeah. take like, it accurately. There's a whole bunch of right, right. That's a big deal. And the same thing is like I would wager that most of the people listening to this podcast have not had it taken correctly. Yeah. And taken well, in different positions is another thing. Yeah. Yeah, most people only get it taken seated. Right. But it's a good idea to do standing and lying on lying your left side. As well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just thinking every time I get mine, it's like at a doctor's office. And it's over your clothes. Yeah, it's over my clothes. Yeah. yeah. So. It's not accurate. Or it's okay. the cuff. <laughs> you know, look, if you want lower blood pressure, you just get a younger doctor because they have better ears. They'll hear the numbers sooner. Older doctors don't, maybe they don't hear as well. Yeah. So the blood pressure is going to be higher. Because you're listening, you're using you your stethoscope. Or to be the opposite. Hmm. So that thing like or at... Or to be the opposite. Cause are they... CVS. They'll hear it like up here. I don't know if it's still there, but you can... Before. You know someone's, well, that's true. You know that's someone really has lost point. their own. That's a really good point. And that's just changing doctors, not at CVS, but just in general. Yeah. Like people forgot to turn it off and they couldn't get their arm out. And they, they lost their oh, arm. Oh, yeah. Lost it right off. He's messing with you. <laughs> That's great, though. What a good idea. Um, Squeeze it so hard. So, so the point of what you're saying is like, yeah, but take your blood pressure regularly, a couple times a day, resting position, like control the environment so you get an accurate reading. That's what you want. One blood pressure, one data point means nothing. Unless, like, you're passed out. <laughs> right. And then at that point, it yeah. matters. Yeah. That's right. And the reason why we're talking about this, it is one of the most important systems, besides the nervous system, mm-hmm. that helps shunt things to and fro. Right. It's, oh. like, it's like the Mississippi River. It's like that blood. It's, got it's like the there. Mississippi River with barges going up and down. That's it. right. Hormones going up and down. And so you want to make sure that the river isn't clogged. Mm-hmm. And there's good, there's good, nice no log jam. channel. There's and you're not no log jam. log jam. You're not losing your barges in the middle of bridges. Yeah. Wow. So it's really important. So people are like, well, blood pressure. That just that has to do with the heart. Well, it has to do with the heart, but it has to do with the arterial system and everything else. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And people, that's what we want people to understand. With that operating system just as lean as possible. Mm. All right. Very good. Thank you, Doctor Matt. You're so, welcome. Um, I am supposed to talk about calories. There's <laughs> calories with a big C and calories with a small C. So a calorie in and of itself is a unit of energy. That's, that's all it is. When we talk about food calories, which is actually 1,000 of your tiny calories. So big C is actually 1,000 little C. So a calorie, if you think about the amount of energy it would take to heat a, a gram of water 1 degree Celsius. So you have some water, you want to bring it up, just one degree. How much heat do we have to put underneath it? That amount of energy in joules, which is 4.18 yes. joules per gram degree Celsius, right? So that's how much you have to use. So it, 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 I've said this 100 million times, thermodynamically it's very expensive to heat water. It just is. That's, that is one calorie. So in food... For humans, we use the kilocalorie. So there's two different things. Okay, what, what we're going to concern ourselves with is calorie big C, not little C. We're not going to talk about him anymore. So big C. So in order to move things, you know, move your body, move limbs, you have to trade something for it. And that's something that's called energy. And we use the term calorie to describe that. We take in units of energy in the form of food. 
right? Mm -hmm. So there's food over there. It's got energy in it. And however much energy it is, we describe that in terms of calories. So like you could have a candy bar, which has, let's call it 80 calories. And then you have an apple, which has maybe 30 calories. The difference between the two is that the apple also has vitamins in it, you know, and, and other stuff. And that it's molecules of energy come from sugar and other stuff. Whereas a candy bar comes just from sugar. Okay? Mm -hmm. Longer and more complex sugars. Mm -hmm. And those sugars... Yeah, down. if you think about it, like, if you have a bunch of um, little chain links laying around, each one of those is energy. But if you hook them all together, then you get a whole bunch of them. Now you can roll stuff up in those long chains. And that's how we get vitamins in there. Vitamin C, vitamin D, all this other cool stuff. So you can have an apple, which is all these complex chains of calories. Or you can have a candy bar, which is just a bunch of carved up ones. The reason why... The sugar high hits you. Why those calories become available so much quicker is because they're already broken down. Your and body, not one big chain. That's right. Your body is designed to take those chains and slowly burn them from the end through the, through the Krebs cycle, releasing calories mm -hmm. for use. Well, releasing energy for use. Simple sugars are designed to taste very good, but the side effect is that they, they are immediately available to your bloodstream. That's why it floods into your body. Right? We're not, we're not designed for that. So... When we have calories, when we take them in, we can take them in as, as simple sugars, complex sugars. You can take in a bunch of calories or a little calories. The most important thing people need to understand is that each thing that they consume, by and large, has a calorie amount associated with it. Taking in a certain amount of those regularly will give you a calorie count at the end of the day. If at the end of the day you have expended more energy than you have taken in in the form of food, right? then your body will go look for another source to make up that deficit. And that source is fat. So at the end of the night, your body pulls out the chalkboard. How many calories did we burn today? How many calories did we take in? If that number is negative, like, oh, God, we're 200 short. Somebody go get carve a piece off of the butt. That's what happens. And that's why that happens. Now, there's ways to augment this. And that there's does ways actually that, happen That at is night, right? how it works at night yeah. when you're asleep. Yeah. So if you, go, if you eat right and you go work hard, you're working out, but you get three hours of sleep, you can't complain about weight loss or, or, or the lack of muscle growth. <laughs> you know, we'll do a whole podcast on it. Or I think we did. We did one. I feel like we've done a few. Yeah, we talk about it all the time mm -hmm. again. So that chalkboard thing, that's how it works. The reason why we care about knowing calories is not for calorie counting. That, that's pretty extreme. It works, but it's extreme. I want people to know how many calories does it take to run my body because I want them to understand that as they gain more muscle, it's going to cost them more calories. Fat is a bunch of chairs lying around a room, but muscle is the lights in the room. Now, if you double the amount of chairs you have in your room, have you, caught, have you doubled what it takes to run that room? No. No, you just got a bunch of chairs. You double the lights in a room, and now it costs you twice as much electricity. That's how muscle is. So the more muscle you add, the more calories, more units of energy it's going to take to run your body. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That's why you have these people who are lean, tons of muscle. They can go out, they eat whatever they want, and you can hear their body digesting their food. It's disgusting. <laughs> and you're like, what is that? And we hate those people. But the reason why they can get away with it is because they have so much muscle. 
Does that make sense to you? Yeah. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. So what I want people to understand is real simple. First, get rid of all the hysteria that you have about calories, all the all the weird feelings. You know, losing weight is such an emotional roller coaster for people. And if I could do anything other than other than fixing their spines, I would take that away from them and help them understand that, you know, logically. Like, look, 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 look. God's not mad at you. Or, or maybe he is, but he's not mad about calories probably. And so if you take in enough calories to run your body and you have a lot of extra, your body's going to store them. And it's going to store them as fat. That's what fat is. So all you need to do is have a deficit at the end of the day. Well, how do I have a deficit? Well, you eat, you know, or I'm still hungry. I have 100 calories. I have one candy bar. You tell me an apple has 30, and it's because an apple has, well, it's probably more than 30. It's probably close to 50. An apple is calorie-dense. So what you want to do is eat calorie-dense foods. That way you can have 1,200 calories or 2,000 calories of calorie-dense foods versus 2,000 calories of crap. And that's why one person who's overweight, even though they're having the exact same amount of calories as somebody else. If you take 100 calories of, of carrots and you take 100 calories of candy bar, you can see real quick the problem. Mm -hmm. You eat a plate full of carrots, that's 100 calories. You eat one bite of a candy bar, that's 100 calories. There's a huge difference in the nutrient content for that person. Yeah. That's why these non-processed foods are so much better for you. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Because they retain that. So it all fits together. So what I want people to understand about calories, A, unit of food. B, figure out how many calories you eat per day on average. If you're gaining weight every day or slowly gaining it, you either need to up the amount of calories you expend, which we do by doing what? Exercising. Or lower the amount of calories we take in by doing what? Eating better. Eating real food. That's right. Calorie dense. Now, now, ladies and gentlemen, Kim did not say eating less. Eating less is not something we talk about here. <laughs> eating better is something we talk about 24-7. I'm hungry. Have a half a bag of carrots. You'll never be hungry again. You should see the fridge here right now, actually. Oh, yeah. We're loaded up. <laughs> We're loaded up against the COVIDs. Yeah. Uh, we listed our foods. High, um... um Skidoodles. High, high, well, nutrient count, macronutrient count, I guess. We're forcing ourselves every 90 minutes something healthy in your mouth. Every 90 minutes. Handfuls of almonds, peppers, it's ridiculous back there. It's just Can a I bunch of... Can I get some eggs today? Yeah, yeah. Dr. Matt and I went to Schnooks and we just hammered it. So, um, Anyway, that's what I want people to understand. It's not a big scary deal. Like, okay, what did I... Just make a, you know, it's not counting calories. Or it is, but not in the way that we're going to be militant about it. You know, what I have for food for today. I had uh, uh, four scrambled eggs for breakfast. I had a handful of almonds. After this, I'm going to have uh, a plate of chicken and a whole bunch of those blue corn tortilla chips. This afternoon, I'll have an apple and an orange probably, and then everything on earth for dinner, <laughs> you know. But my energy expenditures are very, very high. And what I want people to understand is if you know about how many calories a day you're eating, then you can judge how your body's reacting. So and is that the only way there. to tell how many you need? Like, is there is there like a... Oh, could somebody like hook you up to a... Ma yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. We can tell to the to the micro molecule, but nobody does that because it's extremely expensive. Huh? Especially when we can find out empirically. All you need to do is weigh yourself every morning and have written down what you ate the day before. Oh. And, and what you did. And what you did. Those three things. Let's you eat? make a journal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just make a damn chart. Because yeah. charts are where it's at. Anyway, so those three things. Blood pressure, 
BMI calories. No big deal. They're regular numbers, and I think for all of them, with the exception, I think, of BMI, just regularly knowing those numbers is the key towards understanding them. Not a one-time shot, you know? What is it now? What is it now? And then tracking them as you go forward. But that's how it always is. You know, planes don't take off from the airport and just fly straight to the, to the next airport without checking in. They're like, well, where are we now? Well, where are we now? Even though they have transponders, they're still talking to the tower. Always making these micro-corrections, you know? That's what it is. The ongoing, your relationship to the ongoing flow of data in your life. Some would say it's homeostasis. Homeostasis, Kimberly. Sleep, sleep, sleep. And Dr. Matt used a word that causes me to talk for another 20 minutes, but I'm not going to because I value the people. Plus, we covered some beefy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was all very good. So if people have questions, and I hope you do, please email Kim. Non-stop. K-I-M at mfwellness.org. mfwellness.org. We're not mfwellness.com. You can't go to that site. That's that's treadmill people from China. Yeah. So what are the three that we're going to talk about next week? Next week we have got heart rate so far. And then Dr. Brad and I argue about the other two. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we want to like, because I know we have different views on like, what are the really important ones? So we'll, uh, we'll have to Greco-Roman wrestle and okay. stuff. So no big deal. We'll tune in next week. Tune in next week. Okay, guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have questions. I hope you think about what we talked about and then uh, apply that to your lives. You know, take some shots at, at looking at the calorie counter or download a calorie tracker, you know, and then just see how that, what that number and how it relates to you. But don't get hung up on it. All right. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Thank you. Bye. And a big thank you goes out to Hug Monster Sound for somehow allowing the doctor's voices to sound even better than they already do. 